0: Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto. Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait. Gotta be
1: social, network, global, home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, home for the local. All
0: right, Miss Lauren, as I said before we're going to talk about you and there's a lot of interesting things about you but first thank you for being here
1: of course I'm so glad to be here
0: so what your cellular biology is one okay you got to take me through that because I saw that and I was like okay this isn't common for me to meet someone who uh, has studied this where did this um, idea of wanting to do this come from
1: so I think that maybe from the time I was like seven or eight years old, I knew that I was put here to be a doctor, but couldn't really figure out what kind of doctor I wanted to be. Definitely an MD, you know, the distinction between MD, PhD, that's always kind of been my route. But when I got to college, I realized how much I thankfully (laughs) love science because the pre-med track is nothing but hard science. You know, there's biology, chemistry, OCHEM, physics, all the things. But then within biology, I realized that with all the classes I was going to be taking in medical school anyways, a lot of the cell biology track was pretty synonymous. And so taking histology, which is microscopic anatomy, anatomy and physiology, micro, um, what else? Uh, embryology, um, genetics, all the things. Um, and, uh, immunology was probably one of my favorites, but so realizing that kind of taking all these classes could somewhat give me a better understanding of my path. Um, That kind of led me to that. And then I ended up doing research in a lab uh, with human cytokine cells. And we were looking for a new drug target for flesh eating parasites. And so I loved it. Um, And so (laughs) it's been very interesting to connect the dots between psychedelic research and clinical applications being someone who comes from a science background.
0: Okay, so how did you start making the link between psychedelics and this? Because it's interesting, there's a large, as I I talked to uh, Jennifer Montjoy about this, who researches this, there's a large spiritual component to psychedelics, but then you're talking about the science aspect. How do these merge together for you?
1: So... (laughs) Hopefully no one on the committee interviewing me for med school watches this, but I don't care what they do. Um, you know what? They need they either to watch take this. me or they don't come on. Um, so my first time ever doing a psychedelic was at a fish concert. I don't know if you've, that's amazing.
0: Of, of course I know a fish. Is.
1: So I'm one of those crazy people who you see in all the pictures front row in the same spot, every single show. And it's about <laughs> 250 to 300 people that are the same people at every show and are crazy like me and wait in line like we have tickets but we wait in line for like four hours before the show to get wristbands to get in early to have our spot so I'm one of those weirdos but before I became one of those weirdos I went to my first concert in 2016 and I tried LSD and little did I know everything that was going to happen from that I just remember I feel like I often think about the first time I did it and the feeling that I got and realizing that, you know, some people have church and I have fish, but not just fish, but music as a whole. And like, that's kind of where I go to like sort things out internally, do psychedelics and have my own meditation. Like that is my way to kind of like feel right and balanced with all the craziness and chaos that is life. And so I did some acid, realized that my entire consciousness had just been, you know, burst wide open. No doubt. And then um, at the time I was already working in medical marijuana in Colorado, um, treating patients who came in with varying conditions from insomnia, depression, cancer, chronic autoimmune, uh, chronic inflammatory autoimmune disorders. And so the shift was already about to happen. I think about a year after that is when it really started shifting for me was going to cannabis conferences and seeing all the big players who are realizing, you know, for the wrong reasons for money, why they should switch from cannabis to psychedelics. And so that happened in probably 2017. Um, And then I kind of started thinking more about, you know, ketamine clinics and what is ketamine and what is this about? And noticing that they were slowly starting to kind of like pop up around the country. And so for me, you know, doing psychedelics at Fish, realizing that I had my own connection to it, working in cannabis, seeing the shift with psychedelics, and then kind of starting to figure out where I could fit into that and opening my first clinic uh, with my ex partner, and uh, that was in Colorado, and then we started doing retreats, and then we would go to California or New York, and then do more and more and more, and yeah.
0: You know what's funny about this story is the first part, especially, I hope no one is watch- watches <laughs> this. This is, whole, this is a whole thing, right? got to talk about this whole stigma. And stuff. I
1: know it's a whole thing. You know, I feel like I know so many people who go to medical school and they're like, what if I have a tattoo showing? What if I have, you know, dreadlocks? What if I have whatever? What if I have my life that is, you know, eccentric to some people out in the open? Or am I going to be denied acceptance? Am I yeah. going to be denied residency? And it's terrible. And I feel like it disproportionately affects women um, because, You know, we go back to like the oppression of women and just people in general and, uh, you know, white men being in power and across all industries from what I've seen, cannabis, psychedelics, healthcare in general. Um, But yeah, so coming from a background of science and doing research on human inflammation and then kind of doing psychedelics and then treating patients, all of it was just kind of pushing me further along on my journey, which- To me now, it's been made very evident that the universe has told me that, yes, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an MD, but not traditionally. I'm going to do, you know, integrative, preventative health care, focusing on women's health and just honestly interweaving all of the important modalities that are near and dear to me, which are cannabis, psychedelics, and just holistic, integrative approaches.
0: Yeah. I I'm totally with you. I just, it's so funny. Like we do this to ourselves as people because of this conditioning that this is bad and society has said, this is bad. So like, man, I hope no one knows I'm doing this type of thing. And that's part of my whole thing. Is like why I reached out to you and a bunch of other people because we need to platform psychedelics and all these different things. Like this is not bad, okay? this You've gotten wrong information about this?
1: No. Yeah. When, when I disclosed to my sister wrongly uh, years ago, I was like, yeah, you know, I went to this concert and I, I tried acid. Yeah. She was like, oh my God, you're going to melt your brain. We <laughs> have to get you in a rehab. We need to have an intervention. Yeah. And I was like, no, like, you know, I'm not like doing, you know, crack in the alley. Like this is, this no. is totally okay. <laughs> and so I think it's taken a long time for my family to come around to the fact that I am the black sheep and like in the best way
0: In the best <laughs> and
1: way my friends and everyone else. And I feel like through the years of working across these industries has really helped me, you know, outwardly express who I am, what I do, the type of medicine I want to practice and all that good stuff. But yeah, there's definitely still a stigma, but I think that with more and more people, you know, in conferences together, more and more people doing documentaries, the fact that how to change your mind, I feel like has turned so many people Ooh. on to psychedelics that it's crazy and it's great. But at the same time, I have a lot of kind of like disappointment in some of the people that are going towards psychedelics for the wrong reasons. And I've encountered way more than my fair share of them really? working in this industry. And it's, it's pretty jarring. Like if you can actually pierce through the veil and go to like the inner circle of the biggest companies that are you know publicly traded they've got 120 million um seed for you know their startup and all these people and the majority of them are not clinicians they're usually not women like there's really no like representation (laughs) there's White men, they're usually ex-Wall Street and they're in it to line their pockets and they don't really care about clinical oversight or safety or standardization of patient care. And how are we going to do this for the greater good of healing people, but rather how are we going to get the most people in the door with the lowest, you know, the lowest cost and keep the volume up? And it's just about the turnaround and how they can keep, you know, increasing the profit margins from what I've seen from a lot of
0: people. Well, see, this is why people like yourself need to be doing this type of stuff. You need to be speaking on podcasts as much as possible or different media, the clinicians, the researchers, because the people who have all this money, the angel investors and stuff, once something hits a critical point where it becomes like, oh, this is viable, this is going to be big. Then they try to take over that industry for that. So I'm really happy uh, that you're willing to speak about it, even though I guess there may be some little risk.
1: Yeah, Eh. you know,
0: I know you just you know what? It's a short life. It really is. I was just telling somebody today is like you got things you want to do. You better do them, man. You no, I know.
1: It. I know. And for me, it took a while, you know, with cannabis and feeling like, you know, all the taboo around that. And yeah. then with psychedelics, I try and be very careful about, you know, ketamine is the only legal psychedelic. Right. I know I already listened to the podcast earlier today, actually yeah. with Dr. Jennifer that you guys did just right, to kind of see what you guys talked about um, and very much, you know, down to the science of it and kind of the protocols. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for me, knowing that it's legal, like I feel very comfortable, like shouting it from the rooftops. And my only hesitancy is like, you know, delving into all of my experience with the other psychedelics that are not. (laughs) But I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like it is what it is. So whoever's going to hear it's going to hear it. And I'm hoping that maybe my experience can help some other people.
0: Oh, it's definitely going to help some other people. I mean, my psychedelic experiences have had a huge cascading effect with all many people in my lives who have been turned on to it. And have realized they've had the wrong information for that. Yeah. There's some courage in it, you know, like you're you're getting out there saying it. But I want to ask you a similar thing that I'm thinking about it with Dr. Jennifer Montjoy. She talked about and you listened to about how clinicians are often discouraged from having experiences.
1: You know, actually, I made a note. I made a note uh, when listening to that because I was like, oh, I actually want to address that because I want to talk to you about that. So it used to be in Colorado that nurses, doctors, medical professionals across the board were able to obtain a medical marijuana card. And in Colorado, it it varies state by state because of, you know, it not being federally legal across the board. So each state has to create their own entity to essentially kind of delve into what are our rules, what are our regulations, excuse me. And so for Colorado, it's typically, you know, chronic pain, and that can be a plethora of different things. So chronic pain is just an umbrella. And then there's cancer, there's autism, there's PTSD, whether it's combat or non combat related. Um, And so the one thing about Colorado that I never understand is that mental health is not a qualifying condition besides PTSD. Yeah. So yeah, depression, and anxiety would be the number one thing that people would come and say, this is what I have. Also insomnia, number, th- like number three, one, two, and three, every time across the boards, people come in and they say, this is what I've got go- you know, dealing with. I'm like, I understand and it can help you for sure, but legally I can't put down on the state's website that you're coming in for depression, anxiety, or insomnia. And then in other states, it's covered. And so medical professionals were able to get that And up until about, I want to say 2017 or 2018, the state, we're just kind of like, no more. And so what I, it's just, I don't understand it. And I think it's just the continuation of doctors and healthcare workers are not supposed to have anything wrong with us? We're <laughs> supposed to be the ones that like have it together. We like compartmentalize everything from all of the patients we see, and we're just a container and a vessel to hold all of it. We should just be fine. But that's just not the case. Like no. mental health and the stigma with that is very similar with cannabis and psychedelics, and all of it for me is intertwined. Like, I always try and recommend cannabis, whether it's low dose THC or CBD to see if it'll help someone and ask about their psychedelic experience and ask about their interpersonal relationships and where their mental status is at the moment, because all of it is interrelated. And so when Colorado got rid of uh, medical marijuana for doctors, it was really frustrating, but I was like, you know what, it's pretty on brand. I could see them doing that. And so I think that it just comes along with the idea of providers having to be the ones that have it all together and there's a really great psychiatrist that um that I'm connected with who's really like kind of getting the word out there about you know what I'm a psychiatrist and I take antidepressants and it's okay because it's it's a matter of like reapplying for your license and all of your boards to essentially say like I'm good I'm fit to practice because if not and if I'm broken I can't treat patients obviously if I'm dealing with something. How can I help my patients? But that's not the right this way to think of it. And so it's a whole thing about, you know, HIPAA, like you don't have to disclose that you're taking an SSRI. You don't right. have to disclose that you did ketamine or ketamine treatment or whatever. But everyone assumes, you know, you need to disclose that. But I think that, you know, I've probably treated as many practitioners as patients as I have patient patients. And so um, I feel like I really thoroughly enjoy treating them. I mean, I, I love treating all patients, but specifically practitioners or doctors or NPs or PAs who are wanting to get into ketamine therapy. And they're like, I've never had an experience, but I was diagnosed with cancer. I went through a traumatic car accident. I've had treatment resistant depression for 20 years. Like every one of us going through the pandemic, we all have depression. We all have anxiety. We all have trauma, even if it's like a micro micro amount. Cause I always assume it's a little bit of like a, a spectrum. And so right. being able to treat them and have their eyes open to this medicine and how it can really transform the lives of their patients is so rewarding. And I feel like, you know, getting away from the fact that yes, you know, it there is a stigma with getting mental health treatment at all. It's just like if you were going to be taking an SSRI and not disclosing that to your board. And so I I do agree that there's a stigma with it, but I feel like I've treated so many doctors and other practitioners that it's just kind of like, it's all right, just do the yeah. treatment, do what you got to do for yourself and your mental health. And it just is what it is.
0: What also seems like, and and rightfully so, I want to put a disclaimer on this, is rightfully so to focus on people who are suffering from chronic conditions. But I also like what Michael Pollan said, uh, also it's about usage of these things for well people. Um, I mean, who knows what that means completely. I mean, we all have some things going on, but like, you may want to call it the recreational aspect of it. And I feel like that also is even more stigmatized because it's like, oh, why are you doing this? You're fine. Like, like, we can't enlighten ourselves even if we feel like we have a lot of things together. Like, that's the area I think is weird. It's like you're put down because you're trying something that just enhances your life. But, oh, no, no, this should only be for people who have chronic conditions, you know.
1: So um, for me, I try and explain to people the way that, you know, I envision my clinics and my own practice and just how I go about treating patients. And it's not the Western model of you wait until you're literally again, pieces falling apart. And then we, as doctors just kind of like duct tape you back together and just kind of like maybe slightly put the pieces back, but like, why wouldn't we rather just have a society of people who are healthy, continue to be healthy, stay healthy instead of the pieces falling apart. Why don't we just stay Healthy and stay upright, you know, instead of like waiting until we fall apart and then, you know, shit's hitting the fan and yeah. then we have to kind of like fix it. And so I think that goes along with the same line of this is the Western model of healthcare is that you don't do anything until you're absolutely, you know, until you've got stage four cancer. Right. You, know, you don't do any preventative. It's like yeah. you're on the operating table is whenever you start looking at changing your behaviors or your patterns or your lifestyle or your health. And so I definitely think that that needs to shift, but one of the big obstacles, and I don't know if you and Jennifer talked about this or someone else, is that for someone to be approved for ketamine therapy, you have to do a medical eval, a medical intake, which essentially makes sure that you know you don't have. Um, cardiovascular disease, you don't have high blood pressure that's untreated or a thyroid disorder, which would then affect your blood pressure because this medicine will increase your heart rate, increase your blood pressure. The last thing we need is someone to stroke out when they're doing a treatment. On top of that, you got to look for active suicidality, mania, psychosis, you know, you have to look at all potential risk factors and make sure that people are stable before going into this treatment, just like you wouldn't be giving cannabis, you know, high doses to someone who is bipolar and could accidentally throw themselves into mania or psychosis. And so it, yeah, it, um, (laughs) It's hard because you have to have a condition that is approved Mm. to be doing this. So it's kind of hard. It's like, yes, we can give it to you when you're well, and you just want to be a little more well, but you still have to qualify because even though I agree that it is amazing to do this and be even better and have a transcendent experience and improve your spirituality and your emotional health or doing couples therapy and improving your marriage. But in order to get it, it's just like any other prescription, you wouldn't be, you know, given Xanax by your doctor just because you're okay, but you want to be a little better. So it's like, you have to have, you know, depression, anxiety, trauma to be able to move forward. And I guess it's just kind of like, it's just kind of how the DEA has structured Mm -hmm. it, because even though it's a controlled it's a uh, schedule three controlled medication. It's not, you know, as high on the list as like Adderall, for instance, it's still something that has to be prescribed by a medical professional. And so even though there's like, it's like two sides of the coin, like, yes, I agree that we need to be able to do this and be even better and keep ourselves well and have a better outlook on life, but it's still a medical treatment and has to be done in a very safe container medically for the, the health and well-being of the patient for safety.
0: Do you feel like your experience at the fish concert and different <laughs> things is just doing LSD has helped you become a better clinician?
1: Or? 110%. Because yeah. here's my thing. So I don't drink. Um, it's not like I've, you know, I feel like whenever I tell people that they assume I was like I'm like a recovering alcoholic. Uh-huh. I just feel like alcohol and me are just not friends. And I also have really bad acid reflux. And so Mm. like spicy foods, alcohol, coffee, all three of them. Just listening
0: to what works and doesn't work for you. Exactly. And so
1: I also just feel like I've gone to so many concerts and I've just been out and about in the world that I've seen so many people be just grotesquely (laughs) over-intoxicated with alcohol that it just... I'm like, you know, maybe I could go to brunch and have a mimosa with some friends or get a margarita with some tacos, but I'm not someone who goes to a concert to just have a space to get drunk, you know, and, and guzzle bud lights or whatever people do. No way. (laughs) And so (laughs) I have had the very great pleasure of meeting some of my closest friends at these concerts because we're on the same wavelength in terms of we like to go. We don't talk during the show at all. We talk Mm -hmm. after we hang out in our pajamas after the show and have takeout. But during the show, none of us drink alcohol. We're always, you know, in our little group and we have our space and we all do copious amounts of psychedelics.
0: Yeah, this is great.
1: And it's always a running joke uh, between my friend, Carrie and I, that I could take a 10 strip of acid and take a driving test (laughs) because Some people, you know, can take half a hit or, you know, let's just talk about the context of psilocybin or MDMA and they're just, you know, through the roof. And for me, I have a much higher tolerance for psychedelics Mm -hmm. and it's the opposite with cannabis. Like I do like 2.5 milligrams of THC in an edible. And that's like, it'll put me out for eight hours.
0: Are you serious?
1: (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I do for my bedtime routine. I do that and um, 2.5 of CBD, CBN, and two milligrams of melatonin, as well as like almost 300 milligrams of magnesium glycinate. I mean,
0: you're like the best, you know that Lauren, (laughs) this is like We're like connected here. I'm so
1: glad. Yes. We're
0: like the best. Um, I'm a big cannabis person. I don't care what people think, man. I I live in Washington state. It's recreation legal. I actually uh, have
1: a, I have a cannabis cart next to my desk. So like most people have a bar cart, but I have a cannabis cart, with my like, you know, six different strains with my containers that are color coded and all my different little gadgets. Um, But so all of my friends and I, we, we enjoy doing psychedelics. We don't talk, we don't drink and we just go for the music. And it just feels like I can't even really put it into words, but that's why I kind of liken it to going to church for some people, Mm -hmm. because the amount of it's just like the energy that the crowd has that like, we're giving to the band, the band is bouncing back at us and it's just like reverberating and everyone just kind of feels like on the same wavelength. And it's just, this massive sense of community and it just feels like this very safe container, except for the people who stumble in shirtless and drunk. We don't sure, like them, Sure, yeah. um, but going there for me, everyone always thinks I'm crazy. When I say this, everyone's like, Oh, I've never done this. Whenever I do psychedelics and I go to these concerts, I am kind of just like in my head thinking about planning out the next six months of my life or looking at the last few months of like, this is what I've been doing. These are my goals. This is like my internal, like filing cabinet of how are, you know, how are my friends? Like, do I need to check on them? (laughs) How's my family? Like, do I have something to do? Do I have a meeting? And like, just trying to organize my life. And it just feels very, like, I just feel very balanced when I leave. And I know that most people don't do that. But for me, even though that's technically, (laughs) I know, I know um very type a um and so i think that's another reason why it takes such a high dose to really like you know send me off yeah. the cliff because i'm yeah. just there's so much control um yeah. and so for me i just feel you know very balanced when i leave these experiences and i feel like even though it's technically a recreational setting
0: of course it
1: doesn't have to be it can be you know your own spiritual medical setting internal and that's the same that i tell my cannabis patients is that yes this is a recreational dispensary this is a medical dispensary yes it's up to you on how you want to use this and have cannabis be your plant your medicine and use it therapeutically even though it says recreational it's let me give you a little secret it's the same shit
0: (laughs) Okay. Like
1: if you're growing for rec and you're growing for med, it's going to be the same products, but I mean, pretty much, you know, when it comes to flour. And so definitely the edibles are generally going to have much higher THC content. No doubt. It's usually the same companies that are making it. It's all the same stuff. And so it's just all about, I think how you internally go about the experience and that it can be recreational and you can, you know, take it and go party and go to a club. Or yeah. you can also do that and it still be, you know, very spiritual for you, but True. I think it's just kind of up to the individual.
0: I think so, too. I mean, for me, it's definitely just more of like, I tend to be a very serious person. And uh, it just helps me be more relaxed as a human, like not take things so serious. I don't know, maybe that I think it makes sense to me. Like, meditation is not my thing. These other things, not, you know, I think that's what we do like in wellness is we go, oh, why don't you just meditate more? Or oh, why don't you do this? That doesn't work for everyone. There's different ways to get to a similar place. And for me, every Friday is a very sacred time. I, I love edibles. I'm a big edible guy. It's very psychedelic to me a little bit. It has it a little bit be? of, it has some of those qualities. And I like being in there three, four hours, And honestly, I'm going to be honest. I love the munchies. I love that aspect too, man. I enjoy eating my favorite snacks and stuff. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's it's
1: honestly the best feeling ever. It's like after a long day, you come home and you're like, you know what? I want to have a bubble bath. I want to smoke a fat joint or take this edible. I'm going to like put on my favorite movie. I'm just going to have like my dimmed lighting. Yes. Your circadian rhythms. Um, and I'm going to have some snacks. And like, that is something that yeah. I crave after like a long day. So yes. I get it. And... We're just
0: the same people <laughs> yes. with this, man. It's like,
1: yeah,
0: I'm not, not going to lie though. When I watch a movie, the movie's going right through me, man. Yeah. It's like, right. I have to rewatch it every time. So I'm like, what happened? You,
1: see, you have to v- be very strategic in my book. <laughs> I have like a category of like things I can watch when I'm high. Okay.
0: okay. And that
1: includes like uh, trailer Park Boys,
0: okay, or okay.
1: Um, let's see, Grand Designs, Great British Baking Show, <laughs> um, something kind of funny and lighthearted. Nothing right. that I actually have to pay attention to. Um,
0: that's my problem. I try to watch serious stuff. Don't, like,
1: don't do you know, that. Don't do that. But yeah. honestly, that's another thing that people don't think about is that cannabis, at certain dosages, for everyone whose metabolism, you know, is it is unique is a psychedelic. And I feel like every one of us knows someone who's gone into a dispensary or they've taken an edible and the, you know, the bud tender, who's the expert, which they're not the expert. I have trained Uh. them. Um, they're not legally able to give you medical advice. And so they're just like, yeah, you know, this 10 milligram is a pretty low dose. Like it'll get you blazed. And like, that's their medical recommendation. (laughs) And then someone who is like me, you know, would like, you know, one milligram or half a milligram to just be chill. Yeah. 10 milligrams. I might be vomiting or tripping balls. Like you never know. And so that's for me, why I always err on the side of caution of no matter how old the person is, or if they smoke already having an edible, I don't care if you're like, Oh no, I can handle it. I don't care listen to me, I'm the expert. We're starting yeah. with half a milligram of THC. Yeah. We're going to journal, we're going to work your way up and we're <laughs> going to to figure out because the last thing we're going to have happen is you take this and all of a sudden it's accidentally, you know, 15 times how much you can really handle. And we have a situation where you're now like traumatized from yeah. cannabis and it can't be something that you feel comfortable with as your plant. And then you never want to try it again.
0: Okay. I have a question for you with this. I'm a big 10 milligram guy. I love doing 10. It's like perfect for me, but I have noticed depending on the type of edible I get, it can be a huge range in how I feel for that. What's the mechanism behind that? Why it can be so different.
1: So if you grab an edible and it doesn't say anything about sativa or indica or strength specific, just like with a cartridge that you smoke, it's literally just they like isolate the molecule of THC and then drop that into an edible versus if it's like they take the whole plant and it's very strain specific, you're getting all of the other cannabinoids. You're getting the terpenes and you have the benefit of the entourage effect. So for me, that's why I feel like there's a difference sometimes, but also I feel like some companies are not always adept at making great edibles that across the board are always going to be 10. I mean, it's just like, the whole like sunblock scandal, if you're into skincare, you know, yeah. they're like, rated as being, you know, 50, but then they tested it and it was actually like 15. And it's like, okay, okay. so it makes a lot like,
0: of sense now.
1: I know, I know. But, but then you think about back whenever it was first legalized, like in Colorado, like it's, ridiculous, but apparently, you know, you'd walk into the dispensary and there would just be Ziploc baggies. Cause you know, Tyler from around the corner (laughs) made some brownies and cut them up and put them in. And it's like, how do you know that his pouring was very even? And it's not just a thousand milligrams here and five years. So yeah, there's, I think that for the most part, there's a lot of companies that it feels very across the board and, and great, but I think it just depends on their extraction method, whole plant versus just, you know, isolating the molecule and just kind of like what you typically go for. Like, How for can me, you get that
0: information though? Like when you, like I go to this, there's like four dispensaries in my town. How, how do I get that information to get like the exact one that I want? Like,
1: I mean, it's just, you know, doing your due diligence and your research on fact-checking the brand and if yeah. they seem to be, you know, a good reputable source. I mean, for me, I really enjoy the company wild. Uh, um, I love, love, love my favorite ever is Kana. I don't know if they sell them with Kana's good where You guys live yeah. they Um, it tastes like cotton candy. It's these yeah. little blue ones and it's their one-to-one-to-one. So it's the whole thing is only five milligrams. Yeah. So I cut it in half. <laughs> um, and I want to just eat the whole bag cause it's so good, but oh my it's gosh. just five milligrams of THC, CBD, CBN, and some melatonin. And those have always just, they've never failed me.
0: Yeah, Kiva's good too. I'm really into Kiva. It's a very, it feels very high end, uh, but it's very smooth. I like the body high. I'm very much into a body high. But see, here's the thing. It's like, I can ask somebody at the dispensary, I mean, who knows what they know? I mean, there's just, just don't,
1: like, don't ask them. Just ask me from now on. I'm going to ask you me know, and say, I'm will. going to the dispensary. Tell me what to get.
0: Actually, I'm going to the dispensary tomorrow. Cause I'm out of edibles. That's okay. Well, where tragedy. do you go? So when I go, it it's okay. <laughs> it's called Birch Bay buds. Okay. Okay. And uh, it's a great place, but again, okay. like I go there, there's so many edibles on this wall. Like you know, it's, it's like gummies, there's chocolates, the whole thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I just try a different one each time, a different bag. I'm just like, I don't know. I just got to check check it out. I
1: mean, like, what are you using it for? Are you, so it's like, do you only take them on Friday nights and your yeah. goal is to just kind of enjoy the high? Okay. Yes. So it's always kind of different depending on what you're looking for. I mean, if someone's here for, you know, they have crazy pain, they have rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, they're needing to have a salve on their hands. They're needing high CBD. They're needing, you know, there's different needs, right. And each product can fill a different need. And so if you're just wanting, you know, something that's for Friday nights and to have a nice little buzz yeah, look and see if there's something that's got some CBN. Look and see if there's CBN? some CBD. I mean, honestly, my favorite flower is a very high CBD, low THC. Mm. So, my favorite strain is Harlequin or Mango Haze, okay. and they're usually hovering between 4 and 6% THC. Okay. And those, I can just smoke a full gram joint, which is yeah. not something I do with really high, you know, percentages. Yeah. And I can just enjoy feeling very relaxed. Because I always worry about being too high and getting like weird and paranoid <laughs> and anxious. because like I'm naturally an anxious, paranoid, oh, weird see. person as it is. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, look for something that is a uh, strain specific maybe hmm. um, and see if ask if they have a strain specific gummy or a chocolate that oh, you can okay. use and other than just the molecule and see if you feel any different with that or see if they have some with cbd or cbn and see if you can add that in and try something new with that you okay. can also pro tip especially as it's getting cold melt your chocolate into some hot chocolate that's my favorite
0: whoa yeah the that sounds Coda- amazing.
1: Coda makes, I don't know if they have Coda, those, yes. they're a like multi-state yeah. operator, but they have one that's a cream and crumble and it's almost like, like a, like a cheesecake Ooh. and there's almost like little graham crumbles within the white chocolate. And I melt that into hot chocolate, make some popcorn, put on a movie
0: yeah, is you just drop it into the hot chocolate mm-hmm. or what? Yeah, make
1: sure it's like piping hot, and then you just you know stir it in. Stir
0: it in, yeah. Wow, that's uh. You know the thing is, I never worry about getting paranoid. I've never had that, but I've definitely felt like like I wasn't in my body, mm-hmm. and like I was like very disconnected from my body, and so- that was weird actually.
1: There's actually a product that might be good for you. Um, I spoke at a conference in 2019 in Mexico City called Cannabis Salude. And this woman that was speaking, we all ended up having dinner afterwards together. And she uh, had a company called Undo. And it's not CBD, which I usually will recommend CBD for someone who is feeling too high because it kind of counteracts the THC. And so, which is why I do everything with a mixture of CBD. And so her product is not CBD, but it's something that can like turn off. It's like, just like taking a Benzo, if you're tripping and you want to be not tripping. Um, And so it's that, but for cannabis, and it also kind of helps give you a tolerance reset if you're wanting Mm. to do that. Um, I feel like it's been many years since I've tried it, but um, yeah, you could check into that and just have that, you know, in the bathroom cabinet, if you're ever feeling too high.
0: I, I don't I don't think I've ever felt too high. I'm like I know I know I, know. I don't know. You, just, know you know you yeah, know what I okay. mean like it doesn't bother me if I'm too high honestly it's just kind of like I just accept it. I you just see really... and
1: that's me with psychedelics. Yeah, okay.
0: but I'm like that with I'm... psychedelics too. I just accept yeah
1: it. I'm not that way with with cannabis. Like I'll have you know a vial of liquid LSD oh. and I'll be you know wearing sunglasses as I do all the time like yeah. inside at night inside at night. Yeah. Um, and I'll have my dropper and I'll try and drop a few drops on my hand. And then I go and close the cap and I'm like, Oh no, my hand is now covered. I it leaked out of the cap and I'm like, all right, well, exactly. I might've just had 15 hits, but we're going to, we're going to let it roll and see how the night goes.
0: You know, you're definitely not getting into medical school after this conversation. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I just don't send it to them directly no no
0: I don't even know who it is Who cares?
1: <laughs> it's actually it's a it's a school in the Caribbean and oh, okay because You're they in. have three three different start <laughs> dates yeah they literally don't care um and for me it's I've, I've always kind of compared myself to other people that I know from high school or from undergrad okay. who are already in medical school or who are almost done or they're already graduated and then yeah. I'm like you know what Who knows if I would still be on the same path towards what I'm doing, if I would have gone straight to medical school after undergrad, or if I didn't take an extra two years to finish undergrad because I was traveling around the world and doing this work and who knows like different routes, but I am also a firm believer that I would have found my way here eventually if maybe, you know, taken me a few extra years, but I feel very blessed to have had the experience I've had with both sides of the spectrum in terms of socioeconomic status, like where I grew up when I was a child, I was able to see firsthand how extreme poverty affects people in terms of it being cyclical and it being so hard to get out of it and it being generational. And then I've also seen like in New York treating, you know, the CEOs and the COOs and the founders and yada, yada of all these massive publicly traded companies. And I've seen how the two live and I've seen that, The majority of people who are having access for ketamine treatments or are opening these clinics or companies or people who are profiting, same with the cannabis industry, are not people who really should be the ones that it's going to. You know, it's the people who are just the elite and then they just want to trip. And there's nothing wrong with tripping and expanding consciousness and being better than we are right now, just even by a little bit. But the people who are just struggling to even survive and get to the next day are the people that my heart is just pained like thinking about every day and like that they are the people who need the medicine and I actually forgot I was going to tell you about someone I told her I was going to mention her uh Robin Devine she started um, the Black Psychedelic Equity Fund, um, and she's amazing. And she basically has just realized after having depression, after going through the pandemic and seeking out treatment, how underrepresented it is. You know, I mean, I, I could probably count on one hand how many female Black uh, psychedelic psychotherapists that I have met in the space. Of <laughs> and it's, I mean it's just across the board. I feel like every new company I meet, every, you know, conference I go to, it's just like, where's the representation? I mean, women in general, but just minorities. And then also you throw in a woman who is also a minority and it's like, Jesus, like on top and on top and on top, it's just compounding that like more and more, it's just, all I see is white men. And I'm just so sick of it.
0: (laughs) I hear this a lot. I
1: was so so tired of building companies and opening clinics for narcissistic, egotistical, Messiah complex, white men.
0: How do you really feel about this, Lauren? I know, know. (laughs) So,
1: and so I feel like I've been trying to expand my network as much as possible this year of just women and uh, underrepresented groups who are in the space who really need the treatment. And so my hope is, is, you know, with world domination, I can create as much access as possible and education around health and not just like, you know, instead of us falling apart, but like, how can you stay healthy, be healthy and create a better life for yourself and your children and generations to come through psychedelics or cannabis or sexual health or overall integrative health and all the things.
0: It's interesting when I was looking for people to just chat with about, you know, psychedelics, cannabis, all that stuff, it's just mostly white people honestly. Yeah.
1: I know. I hate myself that I'm white some days. I'm what? Like, it. it's like, I don't, it's like, okay. I have that, you know, being a woman that's going for me, at least I'm not a white man. And also like not a white <laughs> really? man in my forties. Cause I feel like that's typically the standard, I see. but I'm like, ah, I'm like, I promise, like I'm here to advocate for everyone. I'm like,
0: oh. yeah. But, yeah. I'd love to be introduced to more. Um, if you have connections to other, you know, minorities in the space, especially psychedelic space, uh, to have conversations with them, I think would be just enlightening. Um, and it's, I know for me, it's done so much positive for my life. And I was one of these people probably back in my early thirties. I'm 44 now who would have been like, Oh, I'd never do that. These are bad drugs. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just bad information. And it's being socialized into something that you just didn't question. And right. It's like people will say, like, I enjoy a nice cocktail for sure. I enjoy a nice cocktail, but like I. I don't want to be like inebriated, you know, I don't yeah. want to be like, it's a weird feeling because it doesn't feel great. But, you know, when I'm high on Fridays, I feel amazing.
1: Exactly. When, when I do a
0: nine hour trip. I feel incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I learned something and it's like, it, you know, there's better options, you know. And i like, yeah. I want the people to know that I want them to experience that instead of drinking Natty light, like 15 minutes. So weird to me. Actually, it is.
1: It's It's oh, really man. weird. It's very strange. Um, I, when I was driving home today from running an errand, I heard, um, an advertisement for Drizzly, which is like an alcohol delivery, yeah, yeah. uh, service. Mm-hmm. And it was all about like, you know, get that alcohol before, you know, your parents bring the kid home. Sure. And I'm like, geez, okay like yeah let's be completely lit when they come home and not be able to get them to bed or like give them a bath but I don't know I mean I think that there's a lot of people that I've tried to show the light with psychedelics Mm -hmm. and cannabis and so many people are so resistant and I've honestly just Okay. All right. Fine. You don't want to be, you know, in the cool club of like doing things cool that are club. better for you and you just want to drink alcohol, do it, but I just don't want it around me. So I feel yeah. like I've just done a great job with surrounding myself of other, with other like-minded people who are on the same wavelength of personal growth and yeah. health and wellness and just taking care of themselves and not drinking. And it's very nice. Well, what's their the like, <sighs>
0: What's the resistance? What's the initial resistance you get when you talk to people just in all this phases of your work you're doing and all this?
1: I think it's mostly fear, fear of the unknown, because, you know, like they know how they're going to feel if they take some tequila shots or drink a bottle of wine or whatever. But that's always the thing is that doing the very first session with you know, academy treatment mm-hmm. for someone, they're always so nervous of what's going to happen. And, you know, is it going to be scary? Am I going to have a bad trip? Yeah. Like, what is it? <clears throat> and so I just feel like as much as I can, I try and just be a grounding force to alleviate as much of the anxiety and the unknown as I can of like, look, this is fine. I'm right next to you the entire time. Yeah. We're going to give you a very low dose to start. Because so many people, you know, it's either they want to go really high or they're not sure. And I'm like, look, there is a standard here that we can follow. We do also kind of an interview of like, have you used cannabis? Have you used other psychedelics? Okay, you've done acid. If your friends are doing, you know, one hit or half a hit, what are you doing? Are you doing one? Are you doing 10? Because like, that's a great indicator on what your dose is going to be for psychedelics, you know, for for ketamine. And um, people are always like, oh, you know. I can eat a hundred milligrams of THC. And I'm like, you know what? There's actually no correlation at all being someone who does 2.5 milligrams, but my dosage for ketamine I am is like 140. Mm. um, Like there's really, there's absolutely no correlation with cannabis and ketamine. But for me, the indicator is always LSD. It just kind of fits, you know, with me, (laughs) but um, being able to ask that question and people say, well, you know, I've only done it once. I only took half a hit and I was really high for like 12 hours. I'm like, okay, we're gonna go very low. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or if I tell someone, okay, look, this is your body weight, this is your experience, this is what we're gonna do. And then they're like, Oh, you know, it still kind of scares me. I'm like, okay, let's go down 10 or 15 milligrams. Fine. And then our next treatment we can assess and we can go up from there, but just always erring on the side of caution and making sure that the patient feels. As good as possible because the set and setting, which I know you've talked about with other people, yeah. it is so important <laughs> and going in with a very positive, relaxed mindset is so crucial. And I'm like, look, if you need to take another 10 minutes and you want to just chat some more, or you want to do some breathing or whatever, we can do that because the important thing here is you and your path and your journey to healing. And the other thing about your conversation uh, with Dr. Jennifer for me, I feel like looking at the treatment itself as being equally important as the aftercare the and the therapy. Yeah. I, I think that like don't even place the treatment itself as like this very very important thing because it is, but not looking at it with like the same lens of the Western model of care of like, this is a magic pill that you're gonna take and everything (laughs) is gonna be fixed. No, it's not. Let me tell you, even after six treatments, you're not gonna be fixed. You're never gonna be fixed. It's just learning how to deal with, cope, manage your symptoms of whatever you're going through and just best approach and tackle the things ahead You know that are life. But for me, it's like, I always tell people, look, the treatment itself, this is not the the end goal. The treatment is literally opening the door and giving you the space to begin healing, to really solidify whatever you work through in that journey through therapy and to continue integrating it into your life. Like the treatment itself, yes, it's going to be a wonderful, positive, hopefully powerful experience, but it's just the gateway to what's going to come next which is the work you know like doing therapy is putting in work as a patient as a clinician and this is just giving you the space to do that
0: yeah most definitely and i think also in that conversation we talked about like the messengers and the messages and i think you've talked a little bit about that with the people who are trying to invade the space for that but i want to ask you the same question too because it just i think it's a good question to ask again Is like, what responsibility do you feel as a clinician to get out here and talk about this in the public um, versus just talking to other academic people about it?
1: Yeah. Well, so I feel like, um, so I I had a partner for many years and we got into this work together and we have since uh, split professionally and personally and way, way, way for the better for me uh, mentally, because I really felt very much not like an even and equal partner. And I always kind of felt like, oh, you know, I don't have my MD yet. What do I have to give? Like, I don't, you know, I shouldn't speak up and and be an expert on these things and advocate and be an activist for these things because I don't have, you know, 15 years of experience. I just have eight or I don't have my MD yet. I'm not, you know, and then it's like, okay, well then what if you get to med school? And it's like, well, I'm in med school, but you know, I'm not through my residency or whatever. There's always going to be something else and realizing that there's so many people out there with so much to give, but also seeing that there are people out there with platforms that honestly shouldn't have one because they Mm. give a lot of misinformation or they're in it for the money. And so for me, I feel very compelled to share my experience and talk to people who just baseline, don't understand any of it, or they've had some experience, but just need a little help kind of like deciphering all of the information that's out there and the details and how it all works. And so for me, I feel like my upbringing and being able to see both sides of the spectrum of, you know, poverty and billionaires and healthcare really going in people's favor and healthcare, not even being affordable for some, and like being able to in both worlds and see both sides and also going through my education, going through all the science, working with mental health, working with psychedelics, working with cannabis and being able to see, you know, almost 40,000 patients at this point of how I know I did the math, it's A it's a lot, um, that how their lives can be impacted and changed by Not like me, you know, as a future doctor and a dictator telling them, take this, do this, but like empowering people to take their own health and wellness into their own hands and realize that, you know, their doctor with a God complex telling them they have to do this, but then they don't answer their questions and they don't feel seen or heard. That's not the end all be all that we as individuals have our own power to take care of ourselves and find information that's not just from one source. And so I just feel very compelled to do whatever I can to help as many people as I can across the industries and figure out how to interweave it all into one and how to use that in my practice as a future doctor and now and do whatever I can, you know, up until medical school and hopefully still through it to act as a consultant on these matters and help, you know, improve quality of life for as many people as I can. And even, you know, if it's a small thing, like uh, I have a client who is a touring musician and I helped him fix his tennis elbow. And I was able to go to a concert that he was playing here in Austin a few weeks ago. And it was just very a beautiful moment for me to like, watch him play the drums and him, you know, thank me for helping enable him to do the thing he loves, which is play the drums. And also how that can then affect the people that are touched by their music. And just like the rippling effect of how then they can tell other people about how they can take their health into their own hands and just spreading as much, you know, useful information as possible.
0: I mean, you're definitely helping a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, and you certainly have helped me. (laughs) <laughs> during this which i'm so grateful for so tell everyone how they can connect with you and to learn yeah. more yeah
1: yeah so um my website is transcendence.consulting um and whether you're wanting to schedule an appointment for medical cannabis dosing product recommendation routes of administration whatever for your condition whether it's you know cancer insomnia rheumatoid arthritis, whatever. There's that. Um, I also do, um, across the board integrative health consults, whether that's, you know, including cannabis or not, there's also intimacy consults. So if you're someone who's struggling, you know, with, um, being in menopause and you, you know, happen to be the owner of a vagina and you are experiencing dryness and vaginismus and pain, you know, painful sex with your partner and you need help in, you know, that department, as much as I can, I try and offer my services. And so, uh, transcendence.consulting, you can book sessions with me. Um, if you're in Austin, we can maybe do it in person, um, anywhere else around the world. Uh, we can do it virtually.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Lauren, for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. I'm so glad to be here and please reach out anytime you need help looking for edibles.
0: We'll be talking about this in a second. Yes. All (laughs) All right. Lauren. Thank you everyone.
1: Thank you so much.